So this morning, we're going to continue our Easter series, the rest uh, of Easter. We're going to continue the series, and we're going to focus this morning on rest from hurts uh, of our past. Um, Each of us has things that have shaped our story. Our parents, teachers, friends, our culture, they've all shaped us in good ways and not such uh, good ways. None of us, as we go through life's journey, escapes hurts and pains as we go through life. Our past has shaped us in such a way that we've often believed things about ourselves that are different from what God says about us. I'm well aware that this is not an easy topic. Hurts from the past, we often would rather keep them hidden, uh, push them down, not talk about it. And we're probably in different places when it comes to hurts from our past. Some of us may have dealt with it already, or at least some of the hurts of our past. Others have just chosen to to move on. For others, maybe it's just become such a reality of who we are that we don't even think about it much. But wherever we find ourselves this morning, God wants to bring us freedom. He wants to bring us rest from the things that have shaped us, and that have hurt us. And even though we think the Bible is a perfect book, people in the Bible were not people uh, that were perfect. They too, uh, if you look at the characters of the Bible, all of them too had things that shaped them or hurt them that impacted their lives as well. So this morning we're going to look at the story of uh, Jacob but also we're going to look at Carolyn's story, and she will join, uh, she will join us up front uh, in, a, in a little bit. So let's look uh, at the story of Genesis, but before we do that, let's just ask God to speak to us through his word. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would open our ears and that you would open our hearts this morning so that we can receive your rest this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So Genesis 25, 21 to 28, the story of Jacob. Isaac, and he was one of the Old Testament patriarchs, pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. What's happening to me, she said. Why is this happening to me, she said. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebekah discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born, with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoors man, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game that Esau brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And I want you to take note of the footnotes at the bottom. So again, it explains that Esau sounds like a Hebrew term that means hair. Jacob sounds like the Hebrew words for heel or deceiver. 
So as in Jacob's story, we are all shaped uh, by our past. There were godly things that shaped Jacob's story. His parents prayed for their birth to happen. His mother prayed while he was still in womb. And we notice that God has a plan for Jacob's life, which he told Rebekah even before he was born. But we also right away notice two hurtful things in, uh, in Jacob's life. First of all, he was called a deceiver. Think about that. How would you feel if you were called from birth on deceiver? The second thing is we notice that Jacob's parents, one favors Esau, the other one favors Jacob. He grew up in a family of favoritism, a dysfunctional family. Maybe we can all relate to that in some way or another. Throughout the story in the Bible, we read about Jacob as being a schemer and a deceiver. It just became a way of life uh, for him. Jacob tricked his brother Esau out of the elder son's birthright. He traded birthrights for a bowl of stew. And then Jacob and his mother Rebekah tricked Isaac, who by that time had become quite blind. And so they pretended Jacob was Esau. And in doing so, uh, Isaac gave Jacob the blessing the inheritance that belonged to the firstborn son, which would have been Esau. He tricked uh, his father Jacob, uh, his father Isaac, and tricked Esau out of his inheritance that naturally would have belonged to him. As you can well imagine, Esau does not take well to that. He becomes very angry. He wants to kill Jacob. And so Jacob flees, and after a long time, he ends up uh, in his uh, country where his uncle lives, Uncle Laban, and he begins a new life there. But there his pattern continues. First, his uncle Laban cheats him in, in different ways, but then Jacob cheats his uncle, and he becomes a very wealthy man with a very large uh, family. So that is Jacob's uh, story. What has shaped uh, your story? Perhaps your parents gave you a beautiful name, but your classmates called you names that were not very flattering and that were hurtful. Those names have shaped the way that you think about yourself, and it has determined how you lived out uh, your story. Perhaps the environment that you grew up with was so toxic that it gave you few models and few hopes to think about what your future might be like. A 15-year-old young man said to me recently, I grew up in such a crap family that I know I will have a crap life too. That's how life goes, he said. Perhaps it was a teacher who called you stupid and you will never amount to anything. You believed him and it has even kept you from trying. Or maybe you were raised in an environment that was really work and achievement oriented and you have had a really hard time accepting grace what that word grace means. Your story has been one of work for it, fix it, do it yourself. That's been part of my story. Carolyn, why don't you come up and uh, share with us a part of your story. The mic there. All right. So Carolyn, tell us about your story. How has your family shaped you and what you believed about yourself? Okay. Well, my past was uh, full of rejection, poverty, anger, depression, abuse, and more. 
I've had a hard time believing that God really loves me. And uh, I always thought he was really angry and punishing me. And I really have never been able to develop healthy relationships. And it certainly stopped me from uh, trying and, and believing that I could have a relationship with God also. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Carolyn, for so honestly sharing part of your story, part of your spa past. All of us have a story that has shaped us. And so uh, that's why you have these uh, index cards, and hopefully you all have a pen. And why don't you just take a minute to reflect on maybe one part of your story that has been hurtful or painful, maybe a name you have been called or just a painful experience you had, or maybe in a few words, write down some of the environment in which you were raised that was not helpful, that was hurtful, that shaped uh, your past. So just take a minute and write that on this index piece of paper. If you're done with that, just turn the paper over, but keep it with you. Mm. So yes, we are shaped by our past, but that was not the end of Jacob's story, and it doesn't have to be the end of our story either. So the second point that I'd like to make today is that God wants to rewrite our story. He wants us to help lay to rest our past. Our future, our future does not have to be held captive by our past. Because of Easter, there is hope for a new story to be written in your life. Let's go back to Jacob's story. Jacob lived with his uncle for many, many years. Then God told him to go back to Canaan, the, his homeland where he was born. Jacob obeys and picks up his very large family. Truthfully, by that time, he had outworn his welcome at his uncle's place because of the way he had tricked and deceived his uncle. He picks up his large family, his many possessions, and he sets out for Canaan. But then he needs to face Esau, the brother he had deceived many years ago and who had wanted to kill him. When he gets closer to Canaan, uh, Jacob hears word that Esau is coming to meet him with what seems to be like 400 men. So rightfully, of course, Jacob is very afraid. The night before he will meet Esau is where we pick up the story, Genesis 32. So during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. 
After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and you have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. And again, notice the footnote, how Jacob went from being a deceiver to being a man who, uh, who fought and wrestled with God. So Jacob plans and schemes in hopes to appease his brother Esau. He sent Esau gifts of cattle and sheep in preparation of their meeting. He sends his wives and kids and possessions across the river in preparation. And that is all he can do. That's far as, that is as far as his scheming can get him. Then God shows up in a mysterious man and a wrestling match takes place that goes on for hours. Jacob will not let go of this man until he blesses him. Then the man asks him about his name. Not that he didn't know uh, Jacob's name, but I think he wanted Jacob to just verbalize who his name was. He wanted maybe Jacob to admit finally to his deceitful, scheming ways, his true identity, and all the negative connotations that came with it. And then this man, and we don't know if it was an angel or if it was God himself, then he gives him a new name, Israel, which means God's fights or a man who wrestles uh, with God. How could God do that? How could God just forgive Jacob all his scheming and deceitful behavior? Let's skip forward to the New Testament. We read of a story in the Gospels of Jesus when he wrestled with God uh, before going to the cross. He wrestled so much that his, his sweat became blood, afraid of going to the cross. Jesus finally surrenders to God, and he says, not my will, but your will uh, be done. Jesus wrestled with God in Jacob's place. Jesus wrestled with God in my place, in your place. And because Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross, we can now be forgiven and we can be given a new name, a new identity, a new story to be written that God wants to write in our lives. As Paul writes, if anyone, or if the version I have up there, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who accepts what Christ has done, is a new creation a new person. The old life is gone. The old story is gone. A new life has begun. That's what Christ accomplished on the, on the cross. Jacob wrestled with God, and he received a new name, a new identity. 
God rewrote his story, no longer deceiver, but now uh, Israel. A man whose new name, Israel, uh, became the name of a whole nation. To this day, we all know about the name, uh, the country, Israel, that came from Jacob's name, the new name that God uh, gave him. So yes, Jacob wrestled with God, but let's look back at that scripture one more time when it said, uh, a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. So it actually was God who came to Jacob and started the wrestling match. God showed up. Charles Spurgeon, a famous theologian, writes, there was something that needed to be taken out of Jacob. Jacob needed to be broken of always trying to handle life in his own strength, broken of his deceitfulness and his craftiness, and the angel came to get it out of him. God wants to rewrite our story to give us a new name, a new identity. But we learn from Jacob that it's not an easy process. A wrestling needs to happen for that to occur. And it's certainly, we can all testify to that, certainly it's not an overnight process uh, for most of us. For most of us, it's a lifelong uh, journey. But God, is, we wrestle with God, but God also wrestles with us. He comes and takes out of us the stories, the hurtful memories of the past that have shaped us, so that a new beginning, a new story can be written in your life. We are new creatures uh, in Christ. Jesus paid the price for all the sins committed against us, those that have hurt us, but also the sins that we have uh, committed as well. And 1 Peter writes it this way, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life, to save you from the hurts, from the stories that have shaped you the things that you inherited from the past, from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Jesus paid the ransom so that we can have a new story. So this Easter, remember, Jesus came to rewrite your story. Take some time to wrestle with God in prayer. Invite him to wrestle with you and take out of the things in your past that need to be taken out. Embrace a new identity, a new name. You are his beloved child, his precious son, his precious daughter. So, Carolyn, how is God rewriting your story? Uh, well, God has been showing me that only what he says about me is the truth, not how I feel, not what people have said about me when they've hurt me. It's, um, it's not always easy to believe, but all week I've been thinking about an old song uh, called, I Have Changed Your Name. Mm -hmm. I have changed your name. You shall no longer be called wounded, outcast, lonely, or afraid. Your new name shall be confident joyfulness, overcoming one, faithfulness, friend of God, one who seeks my face. That's quite a different uh, list of names. Um, 
it's still easier for me to see myself in the first list than the second. Mm. But God is helping me in my weakness. And the longer I am on this planet, the more I realize that there are a lot of people who see themselves in, in list number one. A lot of hurting people. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's really sad that we don't see ourselves the way God really sees us. Mm. Okay. okay, and for all of us, um, we're invited to do the same thing to see ourselves with a new name, a new identity. So on the other side of your paper, I would like you to write a, uh, a new name. These are all names that God calls us in his word. You are chosen. You are his daughter, his son, uh, his treasure, child of God, jewels in his crown, forgiven, God's masterpiece, created for a purpose, redeemed. Pick a name or maybe another name that will give you hope, that will give you a new identity, uh, that will rewrite some of the things that have shaped you in the past. Keep that piece of uh, paper uh, with you. First, when I, I started to think about uh, this message, I was going to have you all crumple up the old uh, name. But then, then I remembered, and we talked about it at staff meeting, that God does not, uh, he does not throw away our past. He redeems it, and he uses it. God will use all of your story, all of my story, for his kingdom purposes. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton writes, Our transformation is never for ourselves alone. It is always for the sake of others. God uses every part of us for his kingdom purposes. Our genetics, our upbringing, our good and not so good experiences, our labels, our pains. God uses all of that for his kingdom purposes. A transformed but still by no means perfect Jacob becomes the father of a great nation. Many people have made a difference in this world because of their hurtful story in the past. God rewrote it, and they used their story to transform the lives of others. Through Jesus, God wants to rewrite our story, but he also wants to use our story all of it. Our inclination is to think God can only use our good parts, and if only this hadn't happened, and only that hadn't happened, I would be so much better, and I could be so much useful. That's not how it works. God uses the painful pieces in our parts 
for to redeem us, but also to redeem others uh, through us. Maybe, and maybe, Bill, if you can put the, uh, the next slide up, maybe it's even more accurate to say that God's light shines brightest through the cracks of our lives. We're all clay jars with cracks in them, but through them, God's light shines and can be a blessing uh, to others. Already in, in the womb, God had a plan for Jesus, for Jacob's uh, life, to become the father of a great nation. But Jacob had to change, God had to change his name before he could live into that plan, into that new purpose. And before he could become uh, the father of a great nation. So, Carolyn, how is God using your story for his kingdom purposes? Well, uh, God's been showing me that life is about taking up our cross daily and following him. When I was a brand new Christian, I, uh, I was so excited about what I thought God was going to do for me. And I had a list. I, after my horrible first 34 years on this planet, I thought I was going to get all the things I had been dreaming about all my life, especially healing. Uh, well, that's what it said in the book, right? I'm learning, I was learning scriptures like John 16, 24. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. But my life kept continuing to look more like 1 Peter 4, 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Well, surprised, I wasn't surprised. I was appalled, confused, and mad as you know what. Uh, six months after I became a Christian, I was diagnosed with cancer. This is not what I was expecting, my, new, my brand new life. Um, but I was thankful that I was going through it with God rather than without him. Um, he has shown me what it really means to be a follower of him. Uh, He's taken my pain and given me a love and compassion for other broken, lonely people that I would not have had if I had not gone down the same road of suffering. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Carolyn. God's using your brokenness, yes. And just uh, to add to that, because sometimes we don't even always realize how God uses our brokenness. So I was talking to uh, a member of our church this week, and just they shared with me how inspired they are by Carolyn. Carolyn continues to inspire me, she said. Her faith is so strong, and I look up to her. So God is using Carolyn's pain, her painful past for his kingdom purposes, and he wants to do the same uh, for us. Remember how, God how Christ wrestled with God. He surrendered, to, he surrendered to God and went to the cross in your place so that you might be forgiven and have a whole new life in him, a new story, a new name, beloved child of God. This Easter let God help you put to rest the hurts of your past. Allow him to rewrite your story. And let him use you, all of you, 
for his kingdom purposes. We're going to close in prayer. And during that time of prayer, I'm going to leave a little bit of time of quiet. And I'm going to ask you to lift this up to him. The, the new name, the broken pieces, all of it, lift it up to him and ask God to take and rewrite your stories, but also to use you, your stories. And then afterwards, um, we're going to close with a song that will be um, on the screen. Uh, it's a song that Carolyn sang all week, and it was in my head all week as well. So I would just invite you to quietly reflect. Allow God to speak to you as you listen to that story. And again, if you need to do some wrestling with God in prayer, to uh, now this thing's falling off. Wrestle with God in prayer to help Him rewrite your story. There's people here uh, afterwards that will be glad to pray with you. Let's pray. God in heaven, we are so grateful to you that you want to rewrite our story. We are so grateful that our past, painful as it may have been, does not have to shape, uh, be the only shaper in our future. That you can rewrite uh, our story because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Father, we thank you for the names that you say in your word, names that you call us. When you think about us, you think of us as your beloved child. You think of us as jewels in your crown, precious in your sight. And Lord, for some of us, those are hard, hard realities. And I pray that through the working of your spirit, uh, you would shape us and give us new names and that you will help us to live into those new names, the new identities. And so, God, we just want to, quiet in our quiet time, just lay it all, all the stuff that we need to lay before you. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you. Thank you. In his name we pray. Amen.